0: You know, let me start by sharing with you something that, along with great success in the shoe business, came a somewhat of a curse. I was always brought up to stand tall, keep your head high, you know, have a, an air of confidence. Unfortunately, when you get into the uh, shoe business, what you find yourself doing is stooping over. You're constantly looking at everyone's feet. Uh, instant market research, you might say. Uh, Mr. Kennard said that Jim Barkley and myself started in 1979. Actually, the company began in 1895. What was known as J.W. Foster & Sons developed into a third-generation business with Joe Foster and his brother Jeff, renaming the company in 1951 Reebok. They actually made in their entire history nothing but athletic footwear and specialized in the running market. When I met him in 1979, the interesting part for me was, it had incredible heritage. There were record books of world athletes who had set great records as early as 1904. Uh, A gentleman named Al Shrub, with a handlebar mustache and all, set two world records in the same day. So I looked at this kind of small company who was doing approximately $800,000 worldwide, making shoes, athletic shoes and running shoes for Everything from the Russian teams to specialized athletes who had mailed in their foot, scratched out on a piece of paper. And I thought, gee, what a wonderful story to bring to the United States. Uh, Nowhere, I don't want you to get any misinterpretations. Nowhere did did I think or would I be presumptuous to tell you that I thought it could grow to this size. I clearly wanted to make a living. I wanted to contribute to the world. I wanted to do something. And I thought Reebok would be a wonderful place to start. And it's start, we did, and of course, <clears throat> over the eight years, this is our eighth year, we've grown from what was an insignificant, what is a Reebok or who are you type of company to what we believe is uh, the number one athletic footwear company in the United States. Just briefly to share with you how we think and how we determined how to market to people, I looked at the world and I said that companies really market basically in three ways. One is what I call manufacture-driven. Manufacture-driven is very simple. When you own a factory and it produces something, you make that product, you turn it over to marketing, and you tell them, sell it. And ultimately, everybody sells what they make. A second way is design-driven. Design-driven usually comes from a happening. Someone designs something unique. And ultimately, as a result of the design that was caught everybody's attention and everybody's excitement, the company creates continued growth, and the designers continue to design and design and design. Now, the only problem there is whether they're designing something that someone wants in the future is only up to the consumer to tell. The third way, which Reebok decided on from the beginning, was consumer-driven. It's a little bit more complicated, and it's a lot, lot tougher. What it means is going out to the consumer, finding out what they want, what they don't want, and making the products that they would, in fact, enjoy and want to wear. When we first started in the aerobic business, there were 15 million people estimated doing aerobics in church cellars and YMCA's throughout the United States. We didn't discover the category. What we did was we found that the injuries that were prevailing and the different products that weren't in place at the time was an opportunity. And what we did simply was go out to consumers and ask them what they want, what they don't want, and From there, it's history. We became the number one aerobic shoe. When it came to tennis, we did the same. We went out and we offered another research plan of saying, what is a tennis shoe? What do you like about your tennis shoes? And inevitably, everyone would answer that they didn't have a lot of things they liked. And in fact, in many cases, what they talked about was the blisters or the uncomfortableness until five to seven weeks after they owned a pier. And when they finally broke them in, they usually were only good for mowing the lawn, painting the boat, They no longer were important to the tennis court because they were worn out. So we introduced the first no-break-in tennis shoe. Made of soft garment leather, it prevails now that we're 47% of the tennis market in the United States in branded products. You know, when I came here today and on the way, I I wanted to relate to the young people who are achievers and what their future will be. And I I remember having a lot of... uh, interviews with different writers and they've asked well you know you created this company well how did it get so big how did it become bigger than nike or bigger than other companies in the world how, how did it happen and how did it happen so fast and i've reflected on that many times i've never been willing to share it with a writer because i don't think that they would re- i don't know somehow record it the right way but clearly it wasn't simply that i had a goal to be big because i don't think anyone could reach out and have goals like that what we in fact had I had a dream. And I think that dreams are the way you grow. And I think if you can, you know, dreams are boundless. You can go as far as you'd like with your dreams, and you can trade them in. You can get new dreams every day. And I think that's what Reebok has been about. It's been a dream from me and contagiously to others. And I'd like to leave you with a quote from the late Robert Kennedy. Some men see things as they are and say why. I dream things that never were and say, why not? Thank you and good luck. Uh, yeah, um, I'm Jeff Tumlin from Huntington Beach, California. And as a proud owner of, of many pairs of Reebok shoes, I've always wondered what Reebok meant. Where, where did you get the name Reebok? <laughs> Actually, Reebok, is an African gazelle, second fastest animal in the world. And uh, the Foster family named it in 1951. They changed the name from J.W. Foster and Sons to Reebok because they felt it would be a a more worldly image. Thank God. (laughs) Um, My name is Julie Baskin. I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was wondering, you've already expanded into the tennis market and to other sport markets. Do you plan to keep your company on top by going into other sports? you plan to go to volleyball shoes and every other kind? Yeah, we presently do make volleyball shoes, and we're, in fact, uh, entering the golf market for uh, fall of 88. We have plans to go into other sports. We, we, I might tell you that many of you might not know, Reebok purchased Rockport about nine months ago, and we're having phenomenal growth success there. And most recently, we just purchased Avia, uh, another what used to be a competitor is now a friendly foe. So we continually expand. My name is Greg Gunn from Stamford, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Uh, You said that one of the things that originally impressed you about Reeboks um, were the was the tradition and the handmade family quality. Uh, Has any Do you think anything's been lost in the transition to big business? Well, you know that's that's somewhat a question that you know is. I can tell you from a quality point of view, things have actually improved from the original days when they made it. But you know, things have to be in the eye of the beholder. And uh, you know there is definitely a transition from small cottage to very large industrial, but as I was explaining to a young lady that asked me the same question a few minutes ago, you know we're not a painting that can be scarce. We're not some rare stone. I think we're we're here to to supply the consumer with a product that will that will fit, be comfortable, and perform. So I think it's our duty to trans that type of energy that comes from small companies into large companies without losing the essence of what it was intended to do. Hi, I'm Mike DeVan from Nebraska. Uh, on the back of the, I don't know what it's called, the tongue or whatever it is, it says the athlete's shoe made to athlete specifications. What did, what did you do, like ask tennis players? Or did you like, go to basketball players and say, what do you want in a basketball shoe? Or what did you do? Well, we do all that, too. But to be honest with you, back in uh, the early 50s, the Foster family used that as the back of their label. And so you, they related really to it. Eat. And To be real honest with you, it's just, you know, we, we wouldn't dare change it. So it just, loo- it just looks good. It's just not. It's ornamental. It, it's ornamental. <laughs> it's ornamental. <laughs> Thank you very much.